and we're going to make a demand on, on this man. When, when I talk to him about what this weekend looked like, he goes, I'm just here to go. Like, just make me work. And we're, we're trying. <laughs> I, I haven't exhausted you yet. But I believe that sometimes, not sometimes, I believe that when we make a demand on what, what God is going to do, and we ex- come with expectation that our hearts are prepared for what the prophet of God is going to deliver to our hearts. And God, in that mix of expectation and anointing and preparation and hearing from God that we just, we get something real good. And so I want to introduce you to a man, if you were with us, doesn't need an introduction to you, uh, but if you haven't been with us, uh, some of you may have been with him and his wife, his beautiful wife, Benet, before, uh, when they were up to do a marriage thing with us about a year and a half ago. Um, that's all been good, but I want to tell you personally, as, as, a, as your pastor, and as a man, and as a husband, uh, and as a dad, my house, my house has been blessed. My life has been blessed. Our, our family has been blessed by you and by your family and by the pioneering that you've done to lead us into some stuff that God has called us to walk in as well. And so uh, you need to know that because that will help you understand. So you've seen, you've seen some differences in me? You, you, you've, seen some, you've seen some differences in Lori? And there's three reasons for that. God is really good. We're pretty spectacular. <laughs> we're, we're, we're willing to do what God asks us to do. That's what I meant by that. But also there's some people that have loved us and have chosen to speak into our lives and sometimes just remain silent and let God do what he wants to do and sometimes just encourage it. And so um, you, you need to know that because the same heart that they minister to us, they're here to minister to you this morning, I believe. And so we know how to honor in this house, and we know how to do it like so-so, and we know how to go over the top, right? What kind of, what kind of, what do you want to see this morning? You want to see over, t- over the top, or you want to get like, eh? All right, so this morning, would you honor and welcome Pastor Ivy and Benet this morning as they come to share God's word with us? Good morning, everyone. How are you guys today? Well, let's try that again. Good morning. How are you guys today? Did you like see what I did there? I didn't say y'all. I said you guys. <laughs> well, I just wanted to take a moment and just greet you. You have such a beautiful church. This is not common, unfortunately. This is something very special, so I just pray that it doesn't become familiar to you because God's doing something extra special here, and your pastors are amazing, amazing. We've spent so much time with them, and and Pastor Josh has such a special, pure heart for the Lord, and it encourages me. I tell him all the time, it encourages me. 
on what God's called us to do in our ministry as we speak to kids because we were brought up in completely different ways. And the purity that he still holds is such a beautiful gift. And, and that's the pastor that you have. And he is a humble man willing to push himself so that he can keep growing so that you can keep growing. And that's a rare gift in the body too. So we honor you. And Lori, oh my word. Lori, is she not just amazing? <laughs> Her and I have had some incredible conversations together and and she is a helpmate fit perfectly for that man right there. And she is anointed and she is authoritative and you've only yet to see what's in her. I've seen so much more. So all I've got to say is ladies, you better get ready because she is a powerful, powerful woman of God. And God had to get some things in order first. And he's been getting these things in order, and it's about to be unleashed on all of you. So we are excited. We are honored just to get to be a part of this journey, and, and God is doing beautiful things. But yes, tonight. Okay, ladies. Where's all the ladies? Okay, I'm, I'm looking at you. Where's all the ladies? All right, so tonight at 7 o'clock, I, I was telling them, y'all party late around here. Like 7, 8 o'clock is bedtime, and, and y'all just are starting. And we're going to have dessert at like 8 or 8.30, however long I preach. Ladies, please do not miss what God's going to do tonight. I have been praying and interceding on behalf of you. And I really feel like God's given me a word to share with you tonight. So uh, make sure that you position yourself. Everybody say, position yourself. Now say it again. Say, position yourself to be blessed. Because I'm just a vessel for him coming tonight. So I want to see. I'm looking around the crowd and I'm going to be looking for you. I'm going to be looking for you. I'm going to be looking for you and you. So don't make me have to come to your house and find you tonight. Just come on down. <laughs> and then I want to honor my husband. He is such a man of God. I love this man. He's on the journey. He never stops growing. He never stops pushing himself. He's a submitted man of God to our pastors and and I love you. I honor you, honey. I, I love your heart for God. And, and how, how many men were here this weekend? So men, I honor you too. I honor you and I respect you because I, like I told you last night, everybody wasn't able to be here, but you showed up. You turned up for God to speak into your heart. And I'm not dishonoring anyone that couldn't be here because life has different circumstances for each and every person. But for the ones that were here, I just honor you. And for the ones that were not here, ask someone that was here this weekend to take you to lunch. And, and just, to, you heard that, right? Hey, will you take me to lunch? <laughs> and pour out on me what you received this weekend. Because there's a beautiful overflow that will happen. And ladies, how many ladies' husbands were here this weekend? I just honor you ladies. I, some of you have lots of little kids and it's been kind of chaotic around the house. And thank you for making a way for your husbands to come and grow. And I want to encourage you with this. I'm going to encourage you tonight. And, um, but I just want to say this just in case someone can't be here. But I know, I'll, I know you all will be here. Give them patience, okay? God is so patient with us. He's so gentle with us. Transformation doesn't unfortunately happen overnight all the time. They're on the journey, just like you and I are on the journey. So give them grace to grow and pray for them. Do what only you can do as a perfect helpmate fit just for them, 
pray for them and give them grace and space and let them grow. Let's don't throw out, I thought you were prophet, priest, king, and warrior. Like I thought that's what was going on. We're not going to do any of that. We're going to go, I know you're a great prophet, priest, king, and warrior and be gentle unto them. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for my husband and then I'm going to leave because he has a powerful word from God for you this morning. So, Father, I just thank you so much for this amazing man of God that you have given me to lead me, a man of God that I am submitted to. So right now I take my position the way you created me as a helpmate fit perfectly for this mighty strong man. And right now I just breathe a breath of fresh air into his lungs and it's giving him oxygen and fresh energy just to overflow onto everyone this morning. Father, I thank you that his heart is open. It's a surrendered heart and a submitted heart to you, Father. Just allow everything that you are speaking to him be released from his heart this morning onto each and every one of us. Father, I thank you that he has the mind of Christ. His mind is alert. It is stable. It is confident. It is focused. There's no clutter and there's no confusion in the name of Jesus. He will release everything that you have spoken over his heart to release. And we are here and we say, Father, we are ready to receive in Jesus Christ's name. And if you're in agreement, say amen. Well, all right, New Covenant. <clears throat> we're going to have some fun today. I'm, gonna, um, I'm probably not going to preach at you. I'm probably going to try to uh, teach you something as we, as we journey together. So I, uh, before we flew up here, I, I spoke Thursday night at our church at what we call um, uh, First Thursdays where all of our campuses come. And it's, um, it's really, we try to distinguish between Sunday and First Thursdays. It's First Thursday is more believer-oriented, so our worship's a little bit longer. We have extended altar call, and, and um, I kind of get with it. <clears throat> but, on, but on Sunday, we realize that there are people in, in much different legs of the journey, so it looks a little bit different. And so I spoke on Thursday, and then I came here, spoke on Friday, spoke Saturday morning, and spoke Saturday night. So when I speak today, you may hear things that I said Saturday and Friday <laughs> and Saturday night. <laughs> How do you know it's real hard to keep everything compartmentalized and then little sections and holes so you don't like preach your Sunday message on Thursday and something happens Friday and on Saturday. So the truth is, I don't remember what all I said between Thursday and today. So if you do, just know maybe you needed that again. So (laughs) um, how many of you in here like massages? I don't care for them very much. I just don't like people touching my body other than one person. Um, but she, she keeps telling me, like, massages are great. They're the greatest thing. So I, I agreed one time to go get a couple's massage. At least she's, like, right there. And for my own insecurity, I could touch her hand while somebody else's hand was touching me. And I just, all it did for me was develop anxiety. Like, I was nervous the whole time. I was like, this is not fun at all. Um, but I try to enter her space of fun. Guys need to try that. And so I tried it and I was like, listen, we're not doing this. I'll, I'll go with you and sit in the room, but I don't care anything about it. And so what we decided to do was buy our own massage table, right? I mean, if somebody's going to rub on my body, I want to be my wife. <clears throat> we'll come do a marriage conference and teach you about the importance of massage tables at some point. So anyway, we're... <laughs> We got the massage, ordered the massage table and ordered all the oils and all the stuff that goes with it. Put it in the, like you got to put the oil in the sink to get it warm. I mean, anybody? Okay, so you got to put it in the sink, put hot water, get it warm. And so I'm, I'm learning you something you just don't know, okay? 
Like this is marriage 101 for free. And then we're, then we're going to talk about something. And so I um, got the table out this evening and um, light candles, do the whole nine yards. And like guys, no expectation. I'm, we're, just, we're just giving a massage, okay? So, so I get the oil out and I, and, and I turn it upside down to put it in my hand while the top comes off. She doesn't really know because she's face down on the massage table. So I'm like trying to get, the, I put the thing down. Well, there now, now I have plenty of oil. How many guys felt like last night there was plenty of oil to go around? Because I'm the same way. If I anoint you, listen, I'm getting a whole bottle because I don't know how bad it is. Right? So I'm like, I'm getting the whole thing and just rub you down. So I get it like, I, how many of you know oil grows as you rub? Like it's just, I'm like trying to spread it out. I'm like trying to be cool about it. But I have smeared, everybody say smeared. I have smeared, if you're not from the South, you may not know what that word means, but I'm just telling you, I have smeared oil all over Benet. Like for three days, she can't sit in a car seat. Like it's just, it's everywhere. So, so you may, if you decide to buy a massage, so you may want to watch a YouTube video couple, see, see how you get past the oil issue. But everybody say smear. Why do, why do I tell you that story? Because we're going to talk about anointing today. And the word anointing literally means smear. And in no way does God want to give you a little bit. He wants to like dump the whole thing on you. Like he, he wants you to, when you sit in your car seat, you slide right out of it. That, that when fear tries to come on your life, it slides right off of you. That, that when depression tries to come on you, it slides right off of you because you are smeared in the Holy Spirit. And so when, when Jesus goes and is baptized, there's something that we know falls on him. The Holy Spirit fell on him and it looked like a dove and God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And you need to know that what happened in that moment was God smeared Jesus with the power to do what he was asked to do. And God wants to smear all of us with the power to live the life that he has asked us to live. The problem is, is there is another spirit at work in the world. And when I first came to, to the Lord and I was 25 years old and I didn't know anything about the Bible and somebody called, talked about John the Baptist, I thought, well, that must be like Mark the Presbyterian and Frank, the first Methodist, like, I don't know what that is. Like, okay. And so when everybody started talking about Jesus Christ, I just thought his last name was Christ. I'm totally not making this up. I'm being really, like, really, okay, so his last name is Christ, but he's from Nazareth. Was, his, was it Mary Christ? Like, how, how did that get attached to his name? And what it means is, that I found out later as I studied the Bible, is it means Jesus, the smeared one. Jesus the anointed one. So there's a spirit in the world called the anti, the anti, the anti-anointing, the anti-smeared. And I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about anointing, but I want to talk to you about a spirit that's at work in the earth that's coming against the anointing. And so we're going to begin in 1 John chapter 2. 18 through 23 is kind of our base 
um, verse, and then we're going to walk through this. And I just want to—I just want to give you a heads up, and then I want to teach you how to walk in the anointing. And here's what's cool about this: I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. I just want to bring a little bit more clarity to what you already know, and how important what you already know is, because sometimes. Sometimes we don't know what we know, and sometimes we don't know the value of what we know. So uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists, plural, have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going showed that none of them belonged to us. If somebody wants to leave your life, you need to let them. If somebody wants to walk away from your life, you might want to let them because it could be that they never belonged with you to start with. Verse 20. But you, everybody say me. That was like three people. Everybody say me. Okay, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is a liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the anointed one. This is really important for where we're going. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The goal of the Antichrist is found in its name. It's, it's anti or against, let say against, Christ, the anointed one. It's against the anointing. And what you need to understand is when Jesus came here, Jesus laid aside his divinity and walked among us. We talk about the fact that Jesus was all God, but we really don't understand that he was also all human. So it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ, it's very important, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus the anointed one is Lord, Jesus the smeared one is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I don't want you to miss the, um, but it's one of those things we know, but I think we miss the power of it. See, Jesus had to come and live as a human being without sin in order to redeem a people that were sin. So we can't just blow by the fact that, listen, Jesus came and laid aside his divinity, put on human flesh, walked as we walked. He was a picture of what is possible when a human being is fully connected with God and smeared by the Spirit of God. And when Jesus finished his work on the cross, can I tell you what you became? Fully connected with God, smeared with the Holy Spirit of God. Which is why Jesus could say to all of us, you will do what I have done. And even, what's he say? Everybody say greater. 
even greater things than I have done. So you, think, you would think if there's something that's coming to oppose Jesus, why is it just called anti-Jesus? I mean, why would the spirit that the Bible talks about be called anti-Christ? Like, why, why is that? Well, it's because even religious cults are okay with Jesus the man. They're okay with Jesus the prophet. Some of them actually rewrote the Bible and they're okay with Jesus, a son of God, just not the son of God. And so the idea that, that we can be okay with Jesus the man shows us that there is this anti-anointing, anti-Christ spirit that works in us. So, so why is that the thing that's coming into the earth? Why has that been the thing that's attacked? It attacked Jesus when he was here. It attacks believers that are here. It attacks churches. It attacks everybody. Everybody is under subject to be under the influence of anti-Christ, anti-anointing, anti-appreciating who Jesus really is and what is available to us. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something available to you. The Antichrist is against the anointing because without the anointing, mankind is no threat. Think about that. Why is the Antichrist so worried about the anointing? Because when Jesus came, it was like this supernatural invasion of God himself that was rejected by the religious leaders. It was, it was his ability to have a supernatural empowered ministry that healed like gave sight to the blind, healed the lame, did all this crazy stuff that was ultimately the thing that like, threw him into crucifixion. They so despised the anointing. You know what they would have been okay with? Jesus the teacher. They'd have been okay with Jesus the prophet. They asked him several times, so are you a prophet? And he said words like, I am which just really made them mad. Who do you think you are? Hey, look at me, Christ followers. Anybody ever look at you and said, who do you think you are? That's a spirit. It's a spirit that's coming against what is on you and what is in you and what is designed to give you the power to walk in victory. Why, why this thing? Because the Antichrist is doing all that it can, all that it can to influence believers to reject everything that has to do with the Holy Spirit's anointing. Why? Because religious people don't like things they can't control. How many of you got like a crazy relative? Like just psycho. How many of you are that person? Right? And for some reason in the, in the church, we treat Holy Spirit like Cousin It. We don't really talk about him very much. We, we'll keep him over. Like if, you, like if you've got a lot of him, you can stand over there and do that, but you can't like be over here and do that. Like we, we have this weird vibe and we, and, and not so much at New Covenant, but like you just need to know, by and large, the average is, is like, okay, like I understand Holy Spirit's like a part of the church. He's part of the family, but let's keep him locked up. Because if, if he breaks loose, how many, how many ever had that person at the family reunion? I mean, you like him. But he needs to calm down. How many ever told your cousin, calm down? Gets all fired up about everything. Runs around sometimes. But he's, he's a good dude. That's how religion views the Holy Spirit. 
And unfortunately, the Antichrist spirit that is, is relevant, or not relevant, but is, is shown in the church is this spirit that has reduced the gospel down to nothing more than an intellectual message instead of a supernatural encounter with God. He wants us to be impressed with, with knowledge. And if you mention power, it's okay that it used to happen. It's okay if it happens in Africa. But let's not hap- let it happen in the here and now. It, it's not for the United States. I, I have the opportunity to like travel and go to um, mission trips, if you want to call it that. I, I think if you go to Walmart, it's a mission trip, but whatever. <laughs> How I many know Walmart's a serious mission trip? Like it's, you, better, you better walk in the anointing. You hurt somebody in Walmart. But anyway. And I don't know why, except when I got this revelation, if you go to Africa, it is easy to heal somebody. I'm just going to be, it is so easy. It's like Jesus, and they fall out, and like legs are broke, now they're not. Like it's amazing. You know why? They don't have any preconceived notion of anything else. All they know is the gospel. And, and that spirit's not there yet. But I'm going to tell you, it's 100% in the United States of America. It wants to rob us of the ability to walk in victory. The Antichrist spirit is in direct opposition to the very thing that God says pleases him. Which is what? If I say faith. Anti-spirit is directly opposed to faith. Listen, it will tempt you to trust your ability to reason, but do not trust in the ability of God to redeem. Intellectually ascend your way to a place that you're comfortable because you know a lot about God and be okay with that, but don't ever have any like legit experience with God. The Antichrist spirit wants everyone to embrace Jesus apart from the anointing. Because here's the truth. If I just embrace Jesus the teacher, then I don't have to have to worry about him asking me to do something uncomfortable. I don't have to worry about him leading me somewhere. He'll never, he'll never challenge me. He'll never offend me. How many of you know that Jesus offended a lot of people? It, when I read it, I don't know about you, but when I read the gospel, I'm like, that's the most offensive guy on the planet. He didn't care if you were his best friend or like a really important religious leader. Why? Because he was anointed. And yet he had power to do things that blew people's minds. And we're seeing what Second Timothy said we would see in the United States of America. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but not denying its power. I want you to understand that in this context, he's talking about the church. Having a form of godliness but denying the anointing, denying the power. Look at what he says, have nothing to do with such people. Ow. Right? Why? Because Timothy knows something that we'll talk about in a little bit. Timothy knows who you should be hanging around and who you should not be hanging around. 
We have this attitude in, in Christianity that if God asks me to do something uncomfortable, it must not be of God. Because surely my daddy in heaven would not want me to be uncomfortable. How many of you have ever heard the voice of God ask you to do something that was comfortable? Yeah, no hands. It's, it's amazing, right? You know, you know it's a, like not the worst, but one of the things I still struggle with is if I'm in any public environment. It doesn't, I don't go to Walmart anymore, but it used to be Walmart. Um, now it's Publix. I've, I've graduated, I, guess, I don't know. And I'm standing in line, and I hear this voice say, speak this to this person. How do you know that's uncomfortable if you don't know them? How uncomfortable is it if you know Josh and you're like, hey, Holy Spirit said for me to tell you, that's still uncomfortable. Well, imagine they don't even know your name. They've never seen you. You're like behind them in line. Hey. And listen, it can be, it ain't like it's got to be a word of knowledge like, oh, God told me you look at porn, which is very uncomfortable, by the way. <laughs> but like, hey, I just want you to tell him that I love him. How many of us argue with that? I mean, like, legit, I am being totally vulnerable, and I go, well, God, can I just pray for them back here? <laughs> I mean, you're like, Holy Spirit, you can reveal yourself to them. I don't really have to, all right? How do you do that? It's, what, it, what are we battling with? We're battling with the Spirit. That is a spiritual battle instantaneously, and it is the Antichrist Spirit. It doesn't want you to walk in an anointing. It doesn't want you to see great things happen. It doesn't want you to live an adventure. It doesn't want this thing to be fun. It wants it to be intellectual at best where we can rely on ourselves and our own strength and live in our nice little white picket fence houses and watch the world go to hell. That's, that's the goal. But if we don't understand what we're against, then we'll, we'll constantly be okay with it. And I did say this, um, I think I said this Friday, I don't know. But there's, there's two extremes in the church. And I want you, if you can, have the courage to see if you land on one of these. The first extreme is a very balanced looking people. Um, they typically kind of dress well. They appear to have it all together. Um, and they, the only value when it comes to experiences is they, they have this nice little controlled quiet time. I must say quiet time. And, and I just want to tell you, if, if the majority of your journey following God is quiet, it might not be God you're following. Like, when he sent Holy Spirit the first time into the earth, it came with a loud bang. And if you translate out that, like, what Holy Spirit really is, it's, it's, it's known as the dynamite of heaven. What does that mean? Everywhere I go, I carry a bang. Everywhere I go, I carry power. Everywhere I go, a voice is needed somewhere, somehow. So I can't just, I can't just rely. Does it, does it not mean that God's, no, God's quiet sometimes. That's not what I'm saying. But like if over the, like you've been walking with God for 20 years and he's been quiet the whole time, that might not be God you're following. The next is like in the other corner or the other spectrum is this emotionally unbalanced people who seek spiritual experiences but never have practical life transformation. Like, they say, oh, I, I felt the Holy Spirit and I fell out on the floor. But you went right back and you kept smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. I don't really think that was Holy Spirit. So if you've had a lot of experiences and no transformation, then I'm just going to be honest, that experience was false. I mean, like, 
You do know the Bible says that even, even when the Lord passed by Moses, like he still his face shined a little bit. He hit him and it still, it still got on him. So like, listen, if we just take that logically, let's just do it. Let's just do an exercise logically. And you're like in the presence of God so hard, he knocks you out. Like we get to little, y'all remember the little blankets? <laughs> on somebody. <laughs> and you, you out, you out the rest of service. Like we all go to lunch. You still laying here? Have y'all ever been in that service? She, she down. Out. And you get up and you still hateful? You just tired of taking a nap in church. That's all you do. You was tired of running around. You came down here like, this is a good place right here. I'm going to lay down, go to bed. See, here's my gift to you. I didn't grow up in church. So I don't have any background of how legit that's supposed to be. I'm just telling you, if I read scripture... And somebody impre- like comes into encounter with God, they are different. And, just, and, you, and if you can quote the whole book of Romans and you're still hateful, you didn't have an experience. You had a memorization history class. And that's the extremes that the church is functioning in. Why? Antichrist spirit. One, one. One wants practice with no power. The other wants power, no practice. And that's not the goal of the gospel. Jesus made this shocking statement. Again, Jesus is super offensive. If you like value Bible study over experience, Jesus says this to you. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Listen to that. Jesus speaking to the teachers of the law says you Read the Bible because you think it's in there that you have eternal life, yet they testify about me, Jesus says. See, we most of the time we increase knowledge about the Bible to feel good about our standing with God or equip us to win an argument with somebody. And and if that's you and you do that, then you need to know you're on the verge of a person who values practice over power. And head knowledge will never bring a heart transformation. It just, it just won't work. I've tried it. it it's, it's not functional inside the kingdom. Now listen, I'm not saying that Bible study is of no or little importance. It is the thing that testifies about Jesus. And actually it's the place, it's the place that you learn what God's voice sounds like. So like all these people who chase experiences and like to say, the Lord told me to tell you, and it don't sound nothing like what my daddy said, that's false. And sometimes, sometimes they can quote scripture out of context or on a bad side of an attitude, and it's still not the word of the Lord. Anybody know who did that? Did it to Jesus. His name's the devil. So you have well-intentioned people who know a lot of this, but they use it for their own gain. That's what the devil is doing. So you've got to be really, really careful that somebody comes and says, oh, I'm super anointed. Let me tell you what God says. And you hear, listen to that and you go, that ain't what daddy said. I know who said it. Can you imagine if you said that to somebody? Like, look right at him and said, hey, devil. That's what Jesus did. 
Peter tried to get Jesus like off sideways on like his purpose in the earth and he, he called his best friend Satan. Can you imagine calling your best friend Satan? Hey, let's go out and do such and such. Shut up, Satan. <laughs> How many of you know they might leave you? If you followed... <laughs> If you follow Jesus for experiences only, I'm going to read you John 6, 25 through 43. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Teacher, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate a really good meal. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe all of the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. You ever want to know what the will of God is? Here it is. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those who have given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Jesus answered, stop grumbling among yourselves. They rejected the anointing that was on his life, and then they went and accused him of where he came from. Listen, if you have somebody in your life that accuses you and brings up your past and will not embrace the new creation that you are, the anointings on your life, they probably don't need to be in your life because Timothy says reject those people. <clears throat> Miracles. Who wants to see a miracle? Like, for real. Like, Benet and I are in this, in this prayer time where... I am, I am so thankful for um, backs that get healed, headaches that get healed. Um, we've, seen, we've seen people who are in a wheelchair, like, started walking again. We sit, but, like, I'm, I'm, like, ready to see blind people see. I, I want somebody to come to my church deaf and, like, all of a sudden start hearing music. Like, I, want, I'm, I, I don't know if I ever will, but I'd like to see a dead person raised alive. I don't, I don't think we'd have to argue very much about the gospel if somebody brought a dead dude into our church and went, raise. No, seriously, like I'm not making fun. I'm, I'm saying like we need, we, need to, we need to try to walk into that, but we're going to talk about what you should walk in first before you think God's going to give you the privilege to do that. 
Because miracles are designed to enhance our relationship with God. And you can't pursue experiences if you're not pursuing a relationship. God will not bless you with an experience if you're trying to bypass the relationship. So the question is, is now we talked about the Antichrist and what his goal is. Well, how do we reject it and truly walk powerfully transformed or walk in the anointing? Here's the, here's the first point. This is, this is revolutionary. Pray. How many of you know that? Raise your hands. Okay, you didn't tell me nothing I knew. Okay. Pray. I'm going to give you a, an assignment to pray. Pray that the fruit of the Spirit is shown in your life every day and in every part of your life. Here's what most people that would preach this message would tell you. Pray earnestly that you would see the gifts. And we'll get to that. But Jesus didn't say they'll know you by your gifts. He said they'll know you by your fruit. And honestly, what's harder? Praying for somebody who has a headache, believing they're going to be healed, or being patient with your wife? Let's just be honest. Which is harder? Hey, my buddy's got a busted up back. I'm going to lay hands on him, rubbing down some oil, and pray with him that he would be healed. Or, no, 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 be like super loving, gracious, and patient with your children, which is harder. <laughs> so I'm asking you to press into what Jesus says he would know us by anyway and pray. Everybody say pray. That you would like flow in the spirit. What does that mean? You would walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So I'm not saying don't look for the gift. What I'm saying is the doorway into the gift is the fruit. So let me, let me help you with that. If you do well with a little, what's the little we all start with? Can you consistently walk in the fruit of the Spirit? Then God will let you lay hands on a dead person. And raise them to life. You know why? Because if you are not mature in the fruit, you'll take credit for that. I, I'm just telling you, I've seen it. So we got we to start with, honestly, what we know. The second one is this. Study the Bible. How many knew that? That's like, I am not telling you something you don't know. I'm just trying to reform it so you can understand. Study scripture, look at the gospels, look especially to all the references that talk about kingdom so you can begin to think kingdom. What are signs and wonders for? To establish and make known that the kingdom of light is overtaking the kingdom of darkness. You go read the gospels, that's exactly what Jesus says over and over again. Matthew 4, 23, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. That's what Jesus was about, making the kingdom known. When he sent out the 12 and he sent out the, the 72, he said he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom, everybody say kingdom, the kingdom of God and to heal. We have, we have to break off the United States 21st century Christianity thinking process. Because if you do that, you think it's all about you. That is an antichrist spirit. You've got to know you live for a king in a kingdom that is not yours. And your job is to make that kingdom known everywhere that you go. How do I do that? I pray that I manifest, there's a big old fat church word, I manifest not the gifts, the fruit of the spirit everywhere that I go. 
And I get in this thing so that I transform to begin to think kingdom. And then the third thing, third thing is hang out with anointed people. You know why I think he says reject those people? Because they're not anointed people. And whatever you hang out with gets on you. I mean, that's true. I, I think Proverbs still says if you hang out with fools, you become foolish. Well, if you hang out, it also says if you hang out with wise. Do you know what's terrible? True is true. What does that mean? It's true in the bad and it's true in the good. So we need to learn to hang out with anointed people. Do you know in scripture that uh, David wasn't the only person to kill a giant? There's four other dudes that killed giants. Do you know why they killed a giant? Because they hung out with a giant killer. If you want to kill the giants in your life, you've got to stop hanging out with people that are scared of like short things. Like you're hanging out with people who are like worried about tomorrow. You're hanging out with people who stress over their finances, who don't tithe, who don't press in. You hang out with people who have no concept of kingdom and you wonder why you're worried all the time. Find you a giant killer, hang out with them, let them encourage you and inspire you, you'll become a giant killer. I, I got one more point left. I'm gonna read you the scripture just so you can understand that anointing can be passed on. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied. Now listen to what he says. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me, when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. There is no such thing as microwave anointing. It doesn't exist. If you want to grow in your anointing, you have to learn to pray to walk in the fruit of the Spirit consistently. If you want to grow in your anointing, you have to read this word and get in it and get a kingdom mindset. If you want to grow in your anointing, you have to hang out with anointed people. Well, how long? Until the reason Jesus' anointing was so big was because he served. And whenever you serve, there's something that comes down on you from heaven. I'm not saying that none of you don't have the Holy Spirit. You do, but we want to grow in this thing. We want to see great things happen. Then, then did Jesus not say like the, like the first would be last, but yet the last would be first? And there's so many there's old people and young people who think this way. Well, I'm going to come into the church and I need, I need to be on the platform immediately because I'm so anointed. I'm pretty sure if Jesus was running this church, he might want you to clean the toilet first. Go develop your anointing doing that because you know what you're going to have to exercise? Fruit of the Spirit, which is called patience and kindness and self-control. Like you have to overcome your gag reflex for a while. Right? <laughs> I, want, I want to preach to a million. Have you preached to your next door neighbor? Listen, I struggle with that. I, got, I have neighbors I don't know. You know why? Because people keep moving in and moving out. So I have to press past that which is uncomfortable. And luckily I have a helpmate fit for me who's anointed to make chocolate pie, which makes the conversation easier. Okay? But like, don't expect 
this grandiose adventure if you're not willing to do the small thing. What is that? I'm telling you, it's an anti-anointing, anti-Christ spirit. Um, the band can go ahead and come. I'm for real landing the plane. Are we good on time? Okay. Fourth thing. So really quick review. Pray, study, hang out. Last one. This is so important. And, and we, don't, we don't understand this to the level that we need to. But you know it. I just don't know that you know how powerfully you need to know it. Obey God's word. <laughs> you don't obey it to get saved. You press in and pray and hang out and read because you are. And, and Jesus said, if you love me, you'll like do what I say. Do you, do you know why he said that? Because he's smarter than Oprah. <laughs> he has more intellect than Dr. Phil. Like, and so he's just giving you the path to greatness. And, and no matter what you do, no matter what you do, nothing radical, nothing radical will happen without radical obedience to the word. Your, your ability to access greatness is determined by how great you obey the word. You think about any context you want to. Marriage. We'll just do marriage right quick. Do you, the greatness of your marriage is determined, men, look at me. I always have to start with you because we're the leaders. By how great you obey loving your wife as, Christ, loving your wife as Jesus loved the church. How great do you do that? Well, to the level of how great you do that is the level of how great your marriage is. So wives, let me help you. In the way that you submit to your husband as you do to God determines how great your marriage is. And I got it. I don't want to submit to nobody. Well, listen, if you're not submitted to your husband, you're not submitted to God. You can tell me all day long, I am so submitted to the Lord. Are you submitting to your husband? Well, the heck no. Well, then you're not submitted to God. That's called out of order. And if you're here and you're like, man, I love Jesus, I'm submitted to God, and you're not submitted to your pastors, you're not submitted to God. You got, you, it says subject or submit yourself to the authorities that God instituted. There is no authority except that what God instituted. If you don't like the president, vote. But while he's in, because you know what you do? If, whether you like him or not, if you walked in here, everybody stand up. If you didn't, I would come help you. <laughs> Why? Because he's, he's in an office that demands you stand. And so we get, we get into this thing, we're like, man, I just want to be great. What you don't realize is there is a spirit at work trying to rob you, rob you of walking in the power that's available to you. So I told you that the, um, the Antichrist spirit wants to rob you of faith. You need to know that Walking in gifts and power is inhibited by our faith. All things are possible to him who, if you have faith of a, Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why am I telling you pray for the fruit of the spirit? Read this thing because I want your faith to grow. Now, here's the problem. Faith of any kind comes by hearing. So if you keep hearing things contrary to this, your faith is growing in the opposite direction. You've got you've to pay attention to what you're listening to. 
both the internal and the external voices. Why is it so important that you hang around anointed people? Because they're going to speak faith and life and kingdom all the time. If they're really, really anointed, they will check you when you get outside of kingdom thinking. They will help you. They will love you to a place that your faith will grow. The reason you want to hang out with people who are talking garbage all the time is because you'll hang in the garbage dump. It doesn't mean you don't try to help them. It just means you don't expose your spirit to them all the time because they're being controlled by a spirit. They have submitted themselves to something other than what Jesus has for you. James 1.22. Okay, so i got to read it so my faith will go grow. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's one thing to have been deceived. It's another to do it to yourself. James 2.17 says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It's so in me, it's transformed my outside. Matthew 9.29, then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. I want to be very careful about that because somebody who is under the influence of the Antichrist spirit would tell you, okay, the reason you still got cancer is because you don't believe enough. That's not true. That's 100% not true. So I want to deal with, because some people in here will, you'll bypass what I said and you'll want to go to the gifts. And people say this, this all the time, I have the gift of healing. Well, if that's the case, sir, would you please go live at the ER? If it's yours and you have it, then go to the cancer center and don't leave. See, here's, here's, here's the God's honest truth. God decides when, through who, where, and how he manifests the gift. You just got to be available. You just have to be willing. You have to have the guts to speak in faith that God's doing something. And listen, I pray for a lot of people. Some of them get healed, some of them don't. And people ask me all the time, why? And here's what I tell them, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. Here's what I know. According to this, according to this book, I can, I can guarantee you people will get healed one of three ways if you'll pray for them. It is going to be a dynamite, miraculous, freaking miracle where it disappears. I've laid hands on people with cancer, prayed for them. They go to the doctor in two days, it's gone. I watched my wife lay hands on a little girl in Africa who was dying of age. She had 72 hours to live. She laid hands on her, fever left. She stopped sweating. We saw her the next year. So that one of them happened in America, one of them happened in Africa. I have prayed for people earnestly and fasted and chemo cured them. And it took a long time. They lost hair, but they would tell you they learned more about God in that journey than they ever had their whole life. So I don't know. All I know is we have to be a people that rejects the antichrist spirit because fear of something won't happen. Well, what if something does? 
And the truth is, if you're a believer and you have a disease, love what Pastor Josh says, you don't have that disease. You're already in heaven, just not yet. So here's what I'm going to tell you. you. If you pray for somebody who has Jesus and they have cancer, first and foremost, they don't have cancer. It's called the already but not yet. The second thing is God's either going to heal them miraculously, use doctors to heal them, or they get to go home. Like I, I think we, we don't talk about heaven near freaking enough. Can, if I'm dying, please do not pray, bring him back. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Like, it, I mean, I'm, I proclaim all the time, I'm living until I'm 120. Because the Bible says I can, that's what I got coming to me. Okay? But look, if I'm 95 and I'm on a hospital bed struggling to breathe and I start saying, Jesus, do not put oil on me. Don't lay hands on me. Y'all just start singing some praise songs. Let me get there. <laughs> that... That's why the Bible says, yes, we mourn, but for a time, because we don't mourn like those who have no hope. You're going to heaven. Listen, I'm not saying I didn't cry when my mama and my papa, all four of them passed away. I'm not saying if somebody dear to me passes away, I'm not going to be sad. But at some point, I've got a transition in me because of the fruit of the Spirit, the way that I pray, the way that I live, the way that I know this Word, that they now have no more pain, that they are happy, dancing, walking the streets of heaven, and I should rejoice in that, and I'll see them one day. So let me, let me give you a heads up if you've lost a loved one and they're in heaven. Like, do you know when you get there, y'all are together for eternity? So here's the advice I'm going to give you now. You better learn to get along now. Because <laughs> you're going to be around each other a long time. Did you feel, here's what I felt. Did you feel like the joy flow? When you talk about heaven, when you talk about anointing, when you talk about prayer, when you talk about scripture, there's just this joy that laughter is good medicine for the soul, the Bible says. I just don't think we, we should never be like sad, depressed, or anxious kingdom people. I know some sad and anxious Christians because they have embraced an anti-Christ spirit. But if you embrace the anointing, the smearing of heaven, joy. Listen, it may be dark for a time, but what comes in the morning? Joy will come in the, I'm telling you, joy will come in the morning. I said, I declare over you right now in Jesus' name that whatever you're going through, in the next 24 to 48 hours, joy will so overtake you that you will laugh at that problem because the enemy has been defeated and you're going to walk in anointing. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody today. I love joy. I love it. Just, if you get in an argument with somebody, just start laughing. Just start laughing. Maybe not your wife, but everybody else, that's a good thing. Come on, I love you, New Covenant. I hope you understand my heart today. I hope you get what I'm saying. Listen, pray that you manifest the fruit of the Spirit everywhere that you go. Get in, get in this thing called the Bible. Get you a kingdom mindset and reject, reject this antichrist spirit that's trying to erode the church. Hang around 
really anointed people. And when you read it and it says to do it, just do it. Obey it. And know that God will exalt you in due season. If you're waiting to see a miracle, work this process I've given you and the miracle will come. Do you believe that, church? God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this place. Yeah, you are. I thank you for the men of this house. I thank you that you're going to do, you're going to do even greater things than we could think, dream, or imagine according to the power at work in us. And I reject the Antichrist spirit from coming on these people. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, the temptation for us is to do this like altar call schmear thing and leave it at that, right? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. So worship team, would you lead us in the song you guys had planned? Let's respond to the Lord. We are literally standing in response to the invitation to let the fruit manifest. Let's worship him. You are so good. Hey, before you leave, a couple quick announcements. Ushers are in the back for giving. Guests, you're not under obligation to give, but if God did something in your heart today, we just encourage you to just invest and just go all in and, and uh, give everything to the Lord. Uh, giving options are on the screens as well. If you're a guest uh, with us, we want you to come see us in the lobby in a place called Guest Central. We have a gift for you. We just want to honor you. We also have some merch left from our IM4 men's conference that happened this weekend. It was unbelievably powerful. Game changer for our city. Uh, so pick up some merch. Hallelujah. If you need some merch there. Small groups, check the website. Ladies. Come on, ladies. We got our Made New Women's Night with Pastor Benet Marsh tonight at 7 o'clock. It's going to be lit. Ladies, invite a friend. Invite a sister, an aunt, a cousin. Invite a neighbor. Find someone on the street from the gas station and bring them out. It's going to be powerful tonight. Hey, if you need more of Jesus, our prayer team is available on the sides here. Uh, feel free to stay in worship. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in the Lord.